folks. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Mile High Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. I am the NBA analyst over at Mile High Sports, Denver Nuggets analyst more specifically. Uh, it's, I'm still getting used to saying that after saying site manager of Denver Stiffs over and over again. Uh, but I am getting used to it, still getting accustomed. But if you're interested in, in some of the writing that I've been doing over there, uh, this last article that I posted was pretty good. On Friday, I am going to be uh, doing a kind of a, ra- a roundup of all of the mock drafts and giving my own takes on what some of these picks are from the experts around the web, uh, guys like Sam Vecini, Jonathan Gavoni over at ESPN, Kevin O'Connor, etc., uh, just making sure to compile all of those so that everybody knows where they can find uh, Denver Nuggets picks. Um, and before that, I wrote about my NBA draft big board, and I'm going to talk about that in the first segment here. Um, and then in the second segment, we're going to kind of go over what the uh, what the, what some of those picks were from the experts. I think that it's very important to get a general idea of what everybody thinks Denver's going to do. Uh, now, it's not always correct, and actually, I think it's more often than not incorrect in, in some of these cases. Not a lot of places had Bones Highland going to Denver, but Kevin O'Connor did have Zeke Naji going to Denver back in 2020, so it's not like these are completely uh, things that you should ignore. So, going to talk about that, and then last segment, we're going to talk about Hustle with Adam Sandler, Juancho Hernan Gomez. I'll, I'll give some spoilers in there. But I watched it and I thought it was awesome. I honestly did. So we're going to use that as an off-season topic here. But first, let's go over the big board. You can find it at milehighsports.com. It's it's one of the, like, go to the Nuggets tab. You'll be able to find all of my writing there. I think the biggest controversy right now is where to put the top prospects. And I think there are four clear favorites. Three if you ask most people, but I do want to include Jaden Ivey into that. Uh, you have Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, and Jaden Ivey. All four of those guys are incredible talents. There's no doubt about it. Any of them could be the number one pick. Chet Holmgren has been somebody that the NBA has been talking about for a while. He was a very unique prospect coming into things at Gonzaga. He's the pictured player on the NBA draft big board on Mile High Sports. And I think that he is third on my board. And the reason why I have him third and not first is because of his frame. It's it's because I don't know what position he's going to play at the NBA level, and I don't know how he's going to fill out. There are a lot of people that are concerned about that frame, and, and understandably so. He's 195 pounds while standing at seven foot. Now, there are a lot of players that came into the draft pretty skinny that have since filled out, but I do think that given that Chet Holmgren's position is going to be more of a center position as opposed to a wing like a Kevin Durant or a point guard like Bones Highland, I think it is more pronounced in this case where you have a guy like that who's going to have to get by by skill and by touch and by intelligence and things like that. And he has a lot of those, to be clear. Uh, But I am a little bit concerned about the size. I think there are going to be a lot of teams that take advantage of that size and we'll see if he can fill out and figure it out. But he's still third on my board. It's not like I'm completely out on him. I have Paolo Bancaro as my top pick. I think that he is the most trustworthy of all of the four. Uh, although Jaden Ivey definitely has a, a claim there. 
Paolo Bancaro is a guy who's going to be a big wing, a big power forward type that is going to be able to handle the basketball, create for others, drive to the rim, do a lot of the things that you want your big wings to do. He's versatile. He does a lot of different things, scoring off the dribble, playmaking for others, as I said. Not as good of an outside shooter as he probably needs to be, and that's where a lot of people have kind of knocked him a little bit. But I do think that's probably the least important thing for me when it comes from 6'10 guys that can dribble and that can really be a playmaker. He'll eventually get the shot figured out. I have no doubt about that, and I think that the rest of that is going to come together for him for sure. Jabari Smith is probably the favorite to go first overall. He is the guy that I think most people is are, are they have the least concerns about. But I also think he has the lowest ceiling of those four because he's not a great creator for other people. And that's what you really need, right? You need a player that can see the floor, that can understand what he's looking at, and can really be dynamic off the dribble with the ball in his hands. That's what you're looking for with a franchise changer, a top guy on the draft board. Now, it's not always like that, but it's mostly like that. And I don't think Jabari Smith is quite that guy. He He's like a Michael Porter Jr. that can play a little bit better defense is how I would describe him. And actually, it's, it's not a little bit better. It's probably a lot better. But there are questions about whether the shot is actually going to be a 45% three-point shooter like Michael Porter's is, or if it's going to be slightly less. And the degrees that you go down there kind of like it, it, he's more of a, a spot up guy. He's more of a catch and shoot kind of guy as opposed to a pull up threat. Uh, though he can pull up, it's not really like that's not a question. I do think he's more of a second fiddle. If I were kind of figuring out what these guys are going to be at the next level, he's more of a second tier guy or like a second star, is what I mean. Guys like Paolo, Chet, and even Jaden Ivey have the potential to be top stars, to be guys that can really drive winning in their cases. And I think Jaden Ivey definitely has a claim there. But he's like a like he, he gets compared to John Morant a lot. He gets compared to Russell Westbrook a lot, like prime Russell Westbrook. There's definitely some stuff there, but he's not quite the passer that those other guys were. Doesn't quite see the floor as well. But I do think that he could see it. He was definitely playing in a Purdue uh, framework that was really clogging the paint for him consistently with their two big systems. So I'm not really surprised that any of the like I have all four of those guys in tier one. I think it can you can definitely make a claim that any of them deserve to go number one. But right now I have Palo there. Now I'm going to kind of answer some of these other questions. Um, I have best three and D wing prospect. I think is AJ Griffin. Looking back at his numbers, he shot 45 percent from three and was a pretty solid defender at Duke, and he played pretty well. He was one of the major reasons why they went to the Final Four, and I just tend to think that guys like that are going to translate pretty well. Uh, He has a pretty big medical question mark, but if he's a guy that you believe in from a medical perspective, then he's a guy that every person is going or every team is going to want to get their hands on. 6'6", athletic, strong, uh, elite shooter, just elite, elite shooter. And she reminds a lot of people of Jimmy Butler. He's probably a better shooter than Jimmy. The most unique wing prospect is definitely Dyson Daniels. He's ninth on my board. AJ Griffin was seventh. Uh, Dyson Daniels is probably going to be a top 10 pick. And there's a good reason for that. He is 
dynamic with the ball in his hands when it comes to playmaking for others, getting up and down the court. He's very fast, very speedy. Uh, he he just has a turbo gear, and he's six eight. Like that that's a very interesting combination of skills. He's also a really strong defender and gets compared to Lonzo Ball for that reason. He also has some Lamelo Ball in him, and and maybe not even. Like it's not like the best and most swaggy Lamella ball perspective of this, but he can shoot off the dribble. He can hit the floater. That's like he has the best touch on his floater of anybody in the draft. And getting a guy like that at six eight, who can just jump over the top of the matchup that he uh, is generally going to be matched up against, he's not a good shooter and still needs to rebuild his jumper and make sure that that's better. But a creative team is going to be able to figure out how to use him and use that skill set. It's untraditional. But I do think that a guy like Dyson Daniels would fit well with Denver. They need a playmaker. They need defenders. They need guys that are strong cutters that see the floor, have a high IQ. Uh, Denver would be just very ecstatic to get a guy like Dyson Daniels on their team for sure. Uh, But again, he's probably not going to be there when, when they pick. But they might trade up. Now, I'm going to go overrated and underrated prospects before we take a break here. Uh, It's hard to pick overrated prospects because I actually think just consensus-wise, everybody's pretty accurately rated. But if I was forced to pick some guys, Jalen Duran, who is at Memphis briefly, uh, he's currently 11th on my board. And I feel like a lot of people have him in the top 10. There's some people that have him as high as like six or seven in this class. We've seen what it looks like when a big center is kind of played off the floor, when a big center is kind of put into these difficult situations by smaller players trying to guard in space. Unless you're a Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid kind of player, then it kind of affects everybody. Carl Anthony Towns really frustrated uh, during these playoffs. Bam Adebayo was not an impactful player against the Boston Celtics in the playoffs this year. Uh, And then you had DeAndre Ayton, who is currently on the outs with Phoenix right now. And despite the fact that he was a former number one overall pick, and I I feel like he's done pretty much everything that they need, that he needs to do to prove himself. It's kind of that third option, big man roller, but they don't clearly see it that way. So Jalen Duran is somebody who I would push down on my board because I just don't think that the like the physical tools are clearly there. He's got like a 7-5 wingspan. He's athletic as hell. He's going to be a great rim roller. Is he going to be more than that? Can he play make for others? Can he see the court? Can he move his feet on the perimeter? I don't know. And that's why I would push him down. Johnny Davis, I have him at 14th on my board. He's from Wisconsin. He was, I think, the Big Ten player of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one of the best players in the country in college. He was also not that efficient. He also was just wasn't that effective uh, from an, an efficiency standpoint. And there were some talks about him kind of getting worn down over the course of the year and just wasn't as efficient later in the season as he was at the beginning. Uh, that's kind of true. Like I, I understand that perspective, but I also sort of think that he's he's a six five six six guy that kind of plays six four, plays six three. Uh, every every impression that I get from watching him, he's a little undersized for the shooting guard position, for small forward, anything like that. He's going to be more of a guard. And if he can be a playmaker and, and see the floor well and create for others, then great. Like, that's fine. He has a great one-on-one game. That's 
pretty clear, but I just don't see him seeing the floor that well. It's not like his best trait. Um, I think a lot of people also have him in the top 10, although some people are kind of knocking him down. I have him at 14th, but I, I really debated pushing him down a little further than that. I could be wrong about this. I think the Nuggets really like Johnny Davis. Uh, so that could be just me kind of seeing something different from them and probably being wrong about it. Let's be honest with this. Uh, but I do think that if you're trying to come up with reasons to draft guys, just because he's a, a hard worker on the defensive end, he's still undersized. He's still somebody who isn't going to be physically imposing. And he's always going to be a guy that a bigger player can feel like they can switch on to and take advantage of. So I'd be a little bit concerned about that. I also have Kendall Brown of Baylor at 30th. I have Bryce McGowan's of Nebraska at 39th. See a couple fans on Twitter really interested in both of those guys for different reasons. Kendall Brown, I'm a little bit concerned about from a, not a basketball IQ standpoint, but just like a skill level. What is he going to do for Denver in the half court when he's kind of asked to do what he needs to do? I don't see him as this massively impactful on-ball or help defender, despite the fact that he does some good things in both cases. Uh, but I don't think he sees the floor that well. I think Jeremy Sohan, Sohan of Baylor was that guy, and there's a reason why they're completely different rankings of prospects. Is people see Jeremy Sohan doing the great things that he's doing, and they they kind of see Kendall Brown. And despite the fact that both of those guys are young and very like comparable wings, I feel like Kendall Brown definitely isn't as good uh, from that perspective. So. I'd be a little bit worried about what he does on the offensive end. And also, he's not that great of a shooter anyway. So be very concerned. Bryce McGowan's of Nebraska, it's the opposite. He scores pretty well, and he's, he's a pretty decent shooter. He also gets to the free throw line and has, like, he's just got a versatile scoring package for sure, but he just doesn't do anything else. And so I'd be pretty worried about that if I were a team like Denver and you need guys who can contribute pretty quickly. Like you don't need the the off the bench scorer. Like that's that's the last thing you need to be worrying about right now. You got to complete the roster, and so I think a lot of these teams are thinking about that too. And so if you're if you're Bryce McGowan's of Nebraska, I have to imagine that he'd want to go to a rebuilding situation rather than a competing situation immediately, so that he can get that floor time, get that playing time, and show people that he develops this, these skills and kind of takes time with that. But I have him at 39th. Some people have him higher than that. I just don't really agree. Now, most underrated prospects, before we take a break, I'll go through this quickly. Uh, I believe in the concept of Shaden Sharp. Now, there's a lot of people that are pretty concerned about the lack of film, the lack of playing time at Kentucky. Obviously, he didn't play a minute of college basketball. And he might bust. Like, there's, there's no doubt about that. He could still definitely bust. And that's why I kind of leave it to the experts and the people that see him, that talk to him and get, get the feel of who he is as a player, as a prospect. And I, I, I've never talked to Shaden Sharp. Like I'm just kind of seeing this from afar. So I don't necessarily want to overstep my bounds with this. But I see a lot of very capable scoring and playmaking from a guy like that. I see a hybrid of Devin Booker and Paul George from a creation standpoint. And there's a reason, I think, why he was the number one recruit in the 2023 class or 2022. 
would have been in the 2023 draft, but he reclassified. Uh, Devin Booker and Paul George is kind of the hybrid that I look at with him. And any team should be happy with that. It's a big, big swing. And you could definitely miss. There's definitely no doubt about that. He's a home run swing, but a team is going to draft him and he's going to need to be in a good situation. Uh, But if he is and he develops correctly, then I can see him being an all-star clearly. Next, Jaden, uh, Jalen Williams, excuse me, of, Sa- of Santa Clara, 15th overall on my board. He is in the lottery category of, of talent on my board. I kind of broke it down into blue chip prospects, lottery prospects, first rounders, and second rounders. Jalen Williams is a lottery talent. He's a do-it-all wing who can scale up or scale down his role, which kind of means, look, you need him to be more of a 3 and D guy who kind of takes on a tough defensive assignment and just spaces the floor. He can do that. You need him to be more of a point guard, somebody who takes on more of a playmaking role, and then just does what he needs to do on the defensive end from from that perspective. Sure, he can do that too. Need him to be a switchable defender. He can do that. He's seven foot two wingspan, thirty nine inch vertical, makes a lot of passes like a point guard. I think he's a. I think he's going to be great. I really do. And I would make that bet if I were the Nuggets if he's there. Another guy I'd bet on, Marjan Bochamp of the G League Ignite, 17th on my board. Most people have him kind of mid-20s, late-20s, which I just don't really get. Like we're, we're watching the NBA Finals right now, seeing what's really important. And all of the players that are making a massive impact or kind of the, the defined players in these series, you've got Steph Curry on one side, but then you've got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you've got Andrew Wiggins, you've got Klay Thompson. Grant Williams, you've just got all of these wing-sized players that are around 6'6 to 6'8. Marjan Bochamp is 6'7. He's got over a seven-foot wingspan, prototypical wing size, but he's also got the defensive skills that people should really like. And I just love what I see from him as an athletic cutter. Uh, he does a little bit of floor spacing, though I do think the jumper needs some work. Uh, but if a team is willing to be patient with them, I, I think he sees the floor pretty well. And if you need, like you need somebody to get out in the open court to make yourselves more athletic, he's going to help with that for sure. Another guy, Wendell Moore from Duke. Uh, he's a little bit of a different type from Marjan Bochamp, but he's closer to Jalen Williams. Another do-it-all type, though he's probably doesn't scale as high as guys like Bochamp or Williams. Teams are going to want to hit home runs in the first round, and, and that's one of the reasons why Wendell Moore has definitely dropped But if you're looking for a role player, if you're looking to hit a double as opposed to a home run, I believe that Wendell Moore has the ability to do that from as a shooter, as a capable playmaker, as a defensive player. He can go on ball, struggles a little bit off ball, but he can definitely improve there. Uh, He just strikes me as a player that will be very helpful for all of these teams and gives you the optionality that you need. So he's a guy that I would definitely bet on for sure. Last one, Vince Williams of VCU, a former teammate of Bones Highland. I was shocked when I watched him. I I saw he was higher on some people's boards and wanted to check out what's up. He went from bench warmer to a rotation player to a starter to the leader of that team in four years. And I just, I watched some of the clips, watched some of the film on him. He looks great. He makes some incredible passes. He was really surprising with some of the passes that he made and some of the vision that he had. Just really sees the court pretty well for somebody that's 
Like he struck me as a guy, like a six six lefty shooting wing. Didn't strike me as a guy that would have great playmaking vision, but he saw the court on the move really well. I think he's going to be able to shoot and defend at an NBA level, and that to me is worth a look in the second round for sure. Some people don't have him on the board at all. I would definitely take a look at him, and maybe he's a UDA kind of guy, undrafted free agent kind of guy. Uh, or maybe Denver has to trade up into the draft to get him, uh, kind of similar to David Roddy, like a lot of people want Denver to do. Uh, so if they have to buy a second-round pick, then he's a guy that I would consider for sure. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what the experts are saying about the Denver Nuggets. We will be right back. We're back. Pickaxe and Orion Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. Talking about the draft, and I want to make sure that everybody knows this. Denver's doing another draft workout on Friday. Uh, They're going to be working out six players once again. Uh, Last time they worked out Wendell Moore, David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, uh, other guys too. This time around, you've got Nikola Jovic, uh, who's from uh, Serbia and very famous for a lot of people that are hoping that the Nuggets draft the Jokic lookalike. Uh, you've got Christian Coloco from Arizona, more of a center. Uh, Jovic is more of a tall forward, kind of in the, the MPJ kind of build. Uh, and then you've got some other guys, more of the late second, late second round undrafted types. J.D. Davidson is one from Alabama who's a pretty high recruit and is kind of testing the waters here, but I don't think he's going to do much of anything, but definitely like a talented player. Um, But yeah, so that's what's going on. They obviously had Wendell Moore, David Roddy in last time. It's interesting to hear about some of these workouts, uh, but I am very curious to see what the Nuggets end up doing. A lot of times with the public workouts, it's sometimes a misdirection. It's sometimes a a favor to an agent to try to get some of those guys there. Like, uh, not really surprised that they're making these connections and hoping these guys uh, come in. But I do think that the private workouts, the ones that you don't hear about, are definitely more of the the guys that they're interested in. Players like EJ Liddell, who they worked out that wasn't made public. It was more of a one-on-one kind of thing. And Blake Wesley of Notre Dame. He also had a private workout with Denver too. So those are guys that you can really take a look at. I expect them to work out guys like Marjan Beauchamp uh, and and any player that probably projected as a late first rounder that is hoping to be drafted 21st as opposed to lottery guys. The lottery guys aren't really going to give Denver a bunch of time and that's okay. But here is what the experts are saying. I'm writing about this on Mile High Sports as well. So if you're interested in checking that out, then make sure to do so. Um, Let me just pull this up and just make sure that I'm not going crazy. I thought I had an extra one here. A basketball. No, I had that one too. Uh, Okay. So we've got some interesting prospects that people are projecting to Denver. Let's start with ESPN. Jonathan Gavoni is very plugged in. He is the expert over there, uh, especially after 
Uh, Mike Schmitz was picked up to be the assistant GM for the Portland Trailblazers. That was very interesting and also very cool. Congratulations to Mike. Uh, But Jonathan Gavoni is also very talented. Those guys were working at Draft Express for a long time. And he has Denver. uh, He he did kind of a two-parter, best fit and best available. And he had Jalen Williams as the guy for both of those categories for Denver. Uh, some of the things that he talked about with uh, with Williams, versatility, court vision, playmaking, shooting. Uh, he was used, utilized as point guard. He's more positionless. He can slide all over the floor. That should be pretty awesome. Like that, That's exactly what I think people are hoping for when it comes to Jalen Williams. He seems like a player who... Like he's going to stand out from a do-it-all perspective and may not be a like he may not be a 20-point scorer kind of guy, but he strikes me as a 15-5-5 kind of guy. Somebody who is going to start at the next level and be a capable scorer, rebounder, and playmaker. And those guys are so valuable for kind of connecting everything together. So he's an interesting one for sure. The athletic Sam Vecini. Also has Jalen Williams going to Denver. Now, that mock draft was back in May, uh, kind of post-lottery, so might be a little bit different. Uh, he says, uh, uh, Sam Vecini does first surprise spike up the board. He's been a significant riser. His teams go back through the tape. There just aren't many holes in his game. And that's another thing that I want people to point out. In the playoffs, everybody tries to pick apart your weaknesses. Everybody tries to pick apart the one thing that they can take advantage of. And when you think about the players that have been most successful, you've got guys like Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. All of those guys can do a little bit of everything. Grant Williams, Al Horford, same thing for for Boston. For Golden State, Andrew Wiggins has been able to do a little bit of everything too. And, and though they are a little bit different and unique, like I think the Warriors have guys that kind of do each of the things that they're looking for. Clay is probably the most versatile guy from a shooting, defending, cutting standpoints, but uh, Draymond is very versatile, but he's also very one-dimensional on the offensive side. Uh, So they're starting to struggle a little bit, but teams like Milwaukee, for example, Drew Holiday can do a little bit of everything. Chris Middleton does a little bit of everything. Uh, Miami, Jimmy Butler, same thing. You're looking for guys that aren't going to be played off the floor. Guys like Tyler Hero were at times. Duncan Robinson, he definitely was. Jordan Poole at times has been played off the floor for Golden State, although Denver wasn't really able to do that. Uh, Derek White at times because he hasn't been as good of a spacer. Uh, So I think it's interesting to think about who are the guys that are maybe the jack-of-all-trades types, but they can be good at everything. That's what I'm looking for in this draft. The Ringers' Kevin O'Connor. Shout out KOC. He goes for Bryce McGowan's uh, wing for Nebraska. He's a guy that I had pre- like deemed as overrated, but KOC has him at twenty third on his board. Although that board, like like the uh, like Sam Vecini's, was kind of updated back May seventeenth, so he might have changed his mentality a little bit. Uh, but he says at this point, Bryce McGowan's feels like the highest upside choice considering Denver's needs, uh, and he kind of talks about him being the score in between Murray and Jokic. I don't think they really need that because they believe Michael Porter is going to be that guy. And they also have Will Barton right now. And like he could also continue to do that if they don't move him. Uh, Bones Highland is also kind of profiling to be a, 
a point guard and a and a maybe a versatile guard that can do a little bit of everything scoring wise. So I don't think that Denver needs more offense. I really think they need more defense. I would not draft Bryce McGowan's for that reason, unless he showed me some flashes that like he could actually step up on that defensive end. But uh, even KOC, he said about his defense, quote, sloppy defender without technique, desire, or awareness at the college level. Uh, that's a red flag. That's that's not something that I'm really hoping to see. Bleacher reports Jonathan Wasserman. He highlighted Ty Ty Washington as a potential guy for Denver. Uh, didn't give anything specifically about Denver as why he would be a good pick. Uh, but he did say that uh, basically that an ankle injury might have contributed to his underwhelming second half of the year. Maybe he's a guy that goes under the radar. But he's also a guy who's six foot three. And he's not like Bones, where he's like Bones is 170 pounds or so. Ty Ty Washington is, I think, 195. I think that's where he weighed in at the combine. So he's a kind of a thicker point guard, thicker, stockier body. But I still think that at 6'3, that's really tough. That's really tough for Denver to kind of deal with. So I would be a little bit concerned on that front. Uh, because Denver, they got Murray, Morris, and Bones. Like they might even look to trade one of Morris or Bones because they just can't be that small in a league that's kind of dominated by wings and forwards. So I do think that Denver's got to be really conscientious of that. And if they did pick a guy like Ty Ty Washington, I'd expect to trade at some point because maybe they view him as a piece. But I'd be a little bit concerned about. Maybe Bones' future with the team, or maybe Monte Morris's future with the team at that point, because you just don't draft a fourth point guard. It's just not a good idea. Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu, he had Blake Wesley from Notre Dame, uh, kind of a guard wing type. I think probably a traditional shooting guard is where I'm going to go with that. So he kind of is in between those two, but he's just slightly bigger than Ty Ty Washington from a height and length standpoint, but not even from a weight standpoint. He's actually a little bit lighter than Ty Ty, so not necessarily a guy who's going to add to Denver's size and, and kind of give them an advantage that way, and that concerns me a little because I'm not sure he's even bigger than Jamal Murray from that standpoint. So he is also kind of a, a very uh, high-ceiling guy, not necessarily a guy who is immediately good uh, he needs to become more effective. Uh, this is what Jeremy Wu had to say. He'll either need to become more effective as a catch-and-shoot player or get a lot of reps playing on the ball and sharpening his decision-making, potentially in the G League. A playoff team like Denver wouldn't have to rush him into minutes, and the Nuggets tend to be comfortable taking chances on upside. Now, that was the previous regime. That was with Tim Connolly, and maybe Calvin Booth does the same thing. But I am kind of concerned about that, that it, I, I just wouldn't do that. If I were Denver, you have a championship window right now. You are not game planning for 2027. You're game planning for 2022, 2023. So I wouldn't draft a guy that you need to really season unless you really believe in that guy. And honestly, like I wouldn't select a player like that that wasn't a lottery caliber talent. And I just don't think that Blake Wesley is. Finally, the basketball news staff. I, I couldn't pick out a singular writer here. Uh, they had Marjan Bochamp selected by selected for Denver. And here's what they say about Marjan Bochamp. After producing early for the G League Ignite, it is evident that Marjan Bochamp has been working on his body and skill set. His physical frame and athleticism immediately pop on both ends of the floor. 
He provides a lot of versatility and has positional size. Uh, he needs to improve his ball handling and three-point shooting, that's for sure. Uh, but I do think that if you're looking to improve as a physical, athletic team, then a player like Marshawn Bochamp is going to be very smart for teams. He's also a great cutter who's going to be able to screen and, and really help out and do a lot of different things on both ends of the floor that are kind of connecting pieces while not necessarily uh, the star level piece. And that's fine. Like Denver doesn't need a star. They've got hopefully three. You're looking for your support cast. And I think that Marjan Bochamp has as good a chance of anybody to really help out on that front. So let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about hustle with Adam Sandler and our lovable Juancho Hernan Gomez. We will be right back. back final segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in final segment here uh i wanted to have some fun with this one we're talking about like it's, it's going to be a friday episode for most of everybody so i wanted to be able to talk about something that i enjoyed today uh the movie hustle with adam sandler and our lovable former nugget watcher Hernan gomez uh this was interesting and i'm gonna share some spoilers ahead i'm not gonna spoil the entire movie so you don't necessarily have to worry about that. But I do think that I'm, I'm very I'm very intrigued in a lot of these sports movies that are very uh, – like they take you inside the process a little bit. Uh, some of them are produced by people on the inside. Uh, I liked Moneyball, for example. I thought that Brad Pitt was fantastic in that. I thought that uh, Kevin Costner was very good in Draft Day, although that one was very cinematic, uh, not necessarily always about the – the actual football. Um, but I do think the hustle with Adam Sandler, very, very good. This was a good movie. And I was kind of shocked. Like, I, I loved it. I thought this was really entertaining. And this was one of those movies that you definitely want to watch as a basketball fan because you get all of these uh, very interesting cameos. There was a lot of NBA people in this movie. Uh, Wacho obviously played the lead. Anthony Edwards played kind of the the uh anti-hero the the guy not the anti-hero but the like the antagonist is what I'm thinking and he got under Wancho's skin for a lot of the movie and was just very good at that role and so I was just very impressed with the way that they they wrote this movie and did a good job of producing it LeBron James was a part of the production Adam Sandler part of the production so you knew it was going to be good and going to be pretty representative but I didn't expect like but Kenny Smith played a massive role. Uh, you had Anthony Edwards obviously play a massive role. And there were a lot of cameos. <laughs> like Bobon's was very funny. Uh, but just kind of about the story. Sandler, he played a scout hoping to become a coach, but sort of needed to prove himself kind of at the end of his rope here to make sure that he could get onto the end of that bench and be an assistant coach in the NBA. Uh, he's, a scout, he's a scout for the Sixers in Philly. Uh, he goes all over the world, and he's an international scout, and he ultimately travels to Spain. I, I thought they did a really good job of representing the travels for uh, scouts, for international folks, and what they sort of have to face on the road when they're coming up with some of this stuff. And it was cinematic, and they wanted to skip over some of that to really highlight some of the journey. 
but I do think that it was very interesting and very informative. Well, maybe not informative because I, I know what this stuff is about, but it was it was enjoyable to watch. Um, he goes to Spain to see a prospect, but that guy's injured. And instead, he, he goes to a streetball court and finds Wancho on there. It was very interesting to watch Wancho Hernan Gomez hustling streetballers in Spain in Timberlands. That was absolutely dope. That was awesome. Uh, he's just very creative, very charismatic. Really, really enjoyed what he did. Uh, Bo Cruz was the name that he uh, that was the name of his character, Bo Cruz, and it's just a very funny name uh, that they obviously copped up for the movie. But it was very, uh, very interesting. The kind of nicknames that I come up with that try to make up make fun of it at times. But uh, Sandler ultimately calls Wancho. If Scottie Pippen and Wolf and a Wolf had a baby is how he described it. If Scottie Pippen and a Wolf had a baby. I thought that was very funny. And and Sandler does a very fantastic job in this movie. I, I think this was better than Hidden Gems. So like I know that he a lot of people really loved that role, really loved that movie. I wasn't as big into that movie, despite the fact that it was very connected to basketball. Uh, I think this movie was much better, honestly. Uh, Wancho killed his role. Really cool to see the number of NBA players' personalities. You had the entire cast of TNT. You had a bunch of uh, other NBA players making cameos during this. And could see uh, Mo Wagner played uh, one of the other draft picks ahead of the draft that they really focused on. It was just very interesting. Obviously, it's a little bit cinematic. Obviously, it's a little bit dressed up for everybody to see. But it was funny and entertaining and also a little bit emotional, where Wancho delivered some good acting and some one-on-one scenes with Sandler. Uh, very believable stuff, very well written and executed. And I think the story that they taught and the story that they showed is a really good way to frame how the game is really evolving from an international standpoint, because you have so many talented players from all over the world. Nikola Jokic came from a small town in Serbia. Obviously, Joel Embiid came from Cameroon. Giannis came from Greece. Juancho came from Spain. There's a lot of ways that people kind of arrive into the NBA and the international scene now. It's just very interesting to see how a scout, I know, obviously cinematic, but how a scout has to go to the ends of the earth to really dig up the talent and make sure that nobody else sees that guy. So I just loved it. I I enjoyed myself thoroughly while watching this movie. Uh, It seems very, like, it seems like a movie that NBA fans should want to watch. And I hope that a lot of people take the time to watch it because Wancho was fantastic. He's a guy that everybody should should be interested in. Aaron Gordon was in this movie. He caught an alley-oop from Trey Young, I believe. Very, very fun. Um, And it's just a really good story. So hopefully everybody enjoys that. And maybe if you guys want me to review some other sports movies or basketball movies in the future as we get into the deep off season. I can do that too. Uh, Cause I enjoy this. I, I, I'd love to be able to talk about sports movies and basketball movies while we, while we are kind of in this off season time. Uh, but for now that is going to do for this episode of pickaxe and roll. I will be back over the weekend on Monday. Uh, just making sure to check in on the draft stuff, make sure that nothing else is going crazy. Uh, There's a lot of NBA Finals coverage to be had still. And I do think that the Celtics, two to one lead for them. They might be the NBA champions ever, like whenever this happens. So 
Should be a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. Uh, Like I said, be back on Monday. We are within two weeks of the NBA draft. So if you're hoping to get some experts and hoping to get some people, at the person that you want me to have on the podcast, I would definitely try to ask them and, and see if they have some time. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.